juggle everything in my hands here? Looks like this. We have this little card. It's our visitor connection card. If you're an, an, a member of the church, on the back also there's prayer requests. Or if you're a visitor, there's a prayer request section on the back. You can fill that out. And we have people who are wanting to pray all week long. And so we actually have people that will pray for your needs, whatever they may be, if you communicate them with us. You know, if you're visiting and you fill out some contact info, we would love to, if you give us a little info, we'll give you a whole lot of love. We'll help you connect and show you what the next step might be. Um, we don't sell your information. We won't spam you. You just get a couple of emails or, or even a postcard. If you put your address, word on the street is they send you a gift card for coffee. So that is the word on the street. It's true. All right. We have, can I get a witness? Yes. All right. That's good. <laughs> you know, this week I was reading in Colossians chapter 3, um, verses, uh, chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And it says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Isn't it crazy that he lumps greed in with the other things? You know what I mean? Like, it's easy to say, well, sexual immorality, like, yeah, sure, that's wrong for sure, right? But greed is one of those funny things that in our culture, in the United States, it's socially acceptable that people want more, don't, isn't that right? Like, I want the bigger house, I want the next car. I want the new thing. I want to have the new iPhone 10. I want to, the 11. Is the 11 out yet? I don't know. But if it is, I want it, you know, I've got to have it, you know. And, and, and we have this greedy kind of thing that it kind of invades our culture. But the Bible says that greed is idolatry. It, it's putting something in front of God when we're, when we're greedy. And so it's, um, it's kind of interesting how um, in our culture it's that way. I just got back from Haiti this week, and um, I'll tell you a little bit about that in a minute. But uh, they don't have the same level of stuff that we do. <laughs> I mean, putting it mildly, it's pretty wild. But I will say that they were happy. They had nothing, but they seemed happy. The ones that I was meeting that were believers and followers of Christ, they were just happy. They didn't need anything else. And uh, so many times in our own life, we, we struggle with this greed that, that is, comes on us for things in life. You see, greed is not good. And so Paul put it in greed in the same category as the other ones. And so greed is like an addiction. You know, the more you feed it, the more that it wants to grow. And the more you, you feed yourself these things, and any addiction's that way, you feed yourself and it's just never quite enough. You know, if you're addicted to drugs or alcohol, if you're addicted to another substance of some sort, you never can get that high the way you wanted it to be and you always try it a little more, a little more. But here it's socially acceptable. You know what the antidote to greed is? It's generosity. The antidote to greed is generosity. And so it falls under two different principles here. There's a principle of stewardship and the principle of generosity. Now, stewardship is this, is that I don't own this, I'm just managing it. And so when we approach life and say that our life has just been given to us by God and we are here to be a good steward of it and manage it, all of a sudden we approach greed differently because none of this is mine anyway, right? I'm just the manager in charge of it. And so that starts to counteract the greed that wants to creep up in our hearts because we say, I want this and that, and it's mine and it's mine and I'm pulling things into me. But, but when, it, when you say, hey, you know what? Everything that I own actually belongs to the Lord. And so then it's like, you know what? Now I'm just gonna manage it. I'm gonna use it to the best of my ability for the impact of what God would want. And so we kind of, it changes our approach, doesn't it? And then generosity, when, when we realize we have so much that we actually can be generous and give towards others and others' needs and other situations, it also breaks the greed out of our life. So church, I don't want you to be addicted. In fact, I want you to live free in God's grace and knowing God's goodness. Now, now breaking greed is not the only reason that we give but it's one of the reasons that we give. 
so we, we give so that we can fight greed. If the, if the ushers would come, we're going to collect and receive our tithes and offerings. Heavenly Father, I just pray right now that as, as there, we're receiving this money, Lord, I just ask that, that you would bless it exponentially. God, help us to be uh, stewards of this resource that you bring into the church, that we might be able to spread the gospel and spread the love of Jesus everywhere that we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If, if you have, if you want to give electronically, we have electronic options. Um, the information's on the screens or in the bulletin or wherever else you can find it. It's on our website too. I got a couple of announcements um, that we're going to cover real quick. And one of them is, is this, is that our Connect class is coming up. And so if you want to get connected to the church, you say, you've been coming around for a week or two or three, you say, this is the church I want to get plugged into and connected. We're starting in the first Sunday of June, and we're doing a Connect class. And um, that's where you kind of discover how, what the church is about. We kind of discover who you are. And in that process, we hopefully identify what the best fit is for you to find the most fulfillment and in being involved in the church here. So that is your next step, and we would love to have you as part of it. We actually give you free food and uh, child care. And so and it's right after church. Um, starting the first Sunday in June. It's a two-week-long class that we're going to do. Now, the second one is this, is that we have baby dedications coming up. I know, right? Dedicate some babies. That's right. It's coming up on May 27th, and that information is all in your bulletin. You can find all the information that's there. That bulletin has all kinds of information in it always, and the same with our website. We can always have lots of stuff going on. We typically just highlight a couple of the things happening uh, from the stage every week. And the last thing we're going to do this, this morning before um, the word is, is preached is we're going to honor our graduates. How many graduates do we have here? How about, here's what I want. If you're a graduate, will you stay, high school or college, if you're graduating right now, will you just stand up? We want to honor you and, and just applaud and say thank you. Check that out. We got some high schoolers here and here in college. I, any college graduates, anybody finishing up in college here today? There we go. There we go. All right. That's good. That's good. Yeah, so we actually have a gift for all of you guys. We'll get it to you here. Um, as, as either right now or at the end of the service. And we just want to say, man, it is so great for you to get, get this thing done. It is a, it's a lot of work to graduate, and you have to be dedicated, and you have to really push through. And so, anyhow, I'm proud of you. I know how much work it is, and uh, I'm proud of you guys for pushing through in the face of adversity all the way through. So right now, we're actually in a series called Upload Complete. We're talking about prayer um, in, in, in this series, and we have a guest speaker this morning, and um, many of you know him as my dad, uh, but he also was the pastor of this church for 25 years. And so some of you, many of you have heard him before, or maybe you started coming to the church while he was pastoring, but he is going to speak this morning on prayer. Will you guys give a round of applause and welcome my dad, Pastor Steve, to the stage. I'm on. Oh, you're on. Okay, sorry. Just before I speak this morning, we just got back from a two-week engagement in Ireland, and so everybody asked questions, so I just asked Barbara if she would just give us a report today on Ireland, so please do that. Okay, all right. Well, it was a great trip. Um, we've been going to Ireland for a number of years, um, and so to see the changes that are happening there, we, uh, we can actually see some things that are different, and that's what's truly exciting to see what God is doing. We went to two cities in the south. The first one was Cork. And um, my first time to Cork, I think Daniel Newman went with Steve last time. But um, there's a church there. The interesting story is there were two, two men praying for years and years, God, please send us a pastor. Please send us a pastor. Please send us a pastor. And finally, God just tapped one of them on the shoulder and said, you're it. <laughs> so, so they stepped up and they started pastoring a church. 
and they, it's right downtown Cork. It's a three-story building, just like one of the office buildings or restaurants down there, and uh, it's blowing up. It's just doing really good. The, yeah, I know. You would walk into the worship service, and you would think you were here. I mean, it's powerful worship, which is so awesome. It's what Ireland needs. So the bottom level, the first floor is like a cafe church, and that's where people, first-timers, can come in and hang out and have coffee and watch, watch it on TV and kind of get used to it. Second layer is, uh, is sanctuary, and the third layer, they have an atrium, and they have classes scattered everywhere. But it's blowing up for God, and they're doing a great job, i got to say. Powerful. Second church was in Newbridge. That's just south of Dublin a little ways. And we've been going to that church for years. Um, and again, it's blowing up. Uh, it's doing really good. You'd walk in, and you'd, you'd think the worship, you'd think you were right here. It's powerful. And they are reaching people for Christ. Uh, both churches are filled with new believers People getting saved, water baptized, filled in the spirit, doing well. And the church in Newbridge is now, their son has now planting a church in Dublin. And it's got about 100 people and it's doing well too. So exciting things are going on in Southern Ireland. Where it was just a joy this time to see all the things that God's doing. And it's really great. So thank you. Amen. So we're in a series on prayer, and um, I've actually talked about this a few times in my life, so I was privileged actually for Matt to ask me to speak. I would like to commend this church. We made a transition about a year and a half, had not two years ago, and I would just like to commend you for hanging in getting behind Matt and Amber and the leaders and supporting the church and supporting the change. And, you know, I know that Matt and Amber are our kids, but I sit back sometimes and I am just amazed at the phenomenal growth that's going on inside of them and their leadership capacity. And a whole lot of that has to do with you saying, hey, man, we're going to get behind you and support you and stand with you. And so I'd just like to commend you. So why don't you just give yourselves a hand this morning? And, uh, you know, people say, are you enjoying in retirement? I probably preach as much now or more than I ever have. And I just don't have the responsibility of you on my shoulders. And I don't. I, I loved it when I did it, but you're in great hands. And so I just like to, I guess I'll get into preaching. So I want to talk about the setup today. Say the setup with me. You know, the Bible plainly teaches when we read it, we will reap what we sow. Whatever you plant is going to grow. And Galatians says, if you sow to your selfishness, you're going to reap corruption. But if you sow to the spirit, you're going to reap life everlasting. That you're going to get to know God better. We will reap what we sow. And prayer is sowing to the spirit. That's what it's doing. Every time you pray, you are planting seeds to the Holy Spirit. And you will reap the benefits of having a devotional prayer life that is dedicated to God. You'll get to know God better. When we talk about prayer, we should, we should define what it is. And so here are some definitions of prayer. It means to desire earnestly, 
to overflow with thanksgiving, to make a vow to God, to, to lean into, to ask from an inferior to a superior, to crave, to require. Jesus said you got to ask and seek and knock, and the word ask means to beg, to crave, to desire. Several years ago, about four years ago now, we actually brought a professional beggar into our house. He's actually a pro at it. You, you look at those eyes, and he will just sit and stare at you until you do what he wants you to do. Those, that nose on him, you know what that nose is for? It's to poke me when I'm not paying attention to him when he wants me to do something. Those, those front legs, you know what those are for? He reaches out and taps on you if you're not paying attention. He is a professional beggar. He knows how to get our attention. I've looked at that dog and said, you know what? He's better at praying than I am. Because part of praying is to crave, it's to beg, it's to not give up, it's to be tenacious, it's to keep on knocking. That's, that's what prayer is. And so he's doing it. He runs the house. He gets what he wants. He's got a big toy box. He gets special food, special treats. On and on and on. He goes, see, I mean, and, and he came off the internet. <laughs> I, to, I say people, internet dating works. Barbara saw the dog and he moved in, took over. <laughs> you know, it means to seek. Asking, seeking means to be devoted and desire. When you begin to worship Jesus, worship God, he begins to change your desires and your desires actually become a godly force in your life. That's what seeking means. It means to take aim and to have purpose and to knock means to rap on the door. Keep on knocking, not giving up, keeping on knocking. I love to read quotes, what people have to say about prayer and Billy Graham said this, that prayer is simply a two-way conversation between you and God. Andrew Murray said this, faith in a prayer-hearing God will make a prayer-loving Christian. You've got to engage some faith and believe that God is listening to you. And if you believe that, you will become a prayer-loving Christian because you'll find out your life has a purpose greater than yourself. Billy Sunday said this, if we're strangers to prayer, we are strangers to power. If we're strangers to prayer, we're strangers to power. C.S. Lewis said this, prayer in the sense of petition, asking for things is a small part of it. It's a small part. Confession and penitence are its threshold. That means that if I want to enter God's presence, I got to come with clean hands and a pure heart. I, I got to get this inside cleaned out at. You know, you can't be mad, angry, bitter, cynical, all those things, and have a healthy prayer life. It, and you can't ask God to justify what he won't justify. And then say, he doesn't give me what I want. Well, you're the problem. God is not the problem. 
Oh, excuse me. You might not be the problem, but if I have those attitudes, I'm the problem. God is not the problem. And so what he said is this, that adoration is its sanctuary. All of our prayer should have some adoration and thanksgiving to God. And then listen to this. The presence and vision of enjoyment of God is its bread and wine. Do you enjoy God? He enjoys you. He, he longs for you and I to come and sit in his presence and invite him to come and camp in our midst. Do we enjoy that? Now, can I, you know, just common sense, your flesh does not enjoy that. Your selfishness doesn't enjoy it. Because when you start to do it, it gets exposed. Then you have to get it cleaned out. But if you can get that cleaned out, you can really start to enjoy fellowship with God. Charles Spurgeon said this, I have now concentrated all my prayers into one. <laughs> and that one prayer is that I may die to myself and live holy to him. That's a good prayer. Let me die to myself and just live wholly devoted to God. Spurgeon said this, it's well said that neglected prayer is the birthplace of all evil. <laughs> we have people in our country, why do we have all this violence? Well, we just kicked prayer out of people's lives, public life. We kicked it out of our educational system. Actually, for over 100 and some years, our country lived in what the world today would say in an unconstitutional lifestyle. We had prayer. We had Bible reading in our schools. You can take the absolute facts and trace them. When they kicked it out, they opened the door for evil and the statistics, just the facts. This is not a political statement. Just the facts of the violence that has increased when we said, God, you're not wanted here. We're going to do it our way. The facts of the violence that has increased, it is not tenfold. It's not fiftyfold. It's not hundredfold. It's hundreds of fold. See? And so, oh, no, we, you, can't, you can't have religion in public life. So now we're living without it. Maybe we should return to this thing of prayer. I've done meddling now, so let me get back to my sermon. As followers of Jesus, we are called to live like him and share his love. That, that, that's our mantra around here. And listen to me. Jesus was a man of prayer. If we're going to live like him, if he prayed, we should pray. He taught us how to pray. And then he set us up, set the people up, and called the most powerful prayer meeting in history. And we're going to look at that this morning. And he didn't even go to it. Jesus, the Son of God, prayed. He left the crowds to go to desolate places to pray. He prayed all night at times. <laughs> and came out the next day healing the sick and casting out demons. He prayed all night before he chose the 12. By the way, you ought to pray who your friends are. He prayed at his baptism and the heavens opened. You know, I mean, he, he's submitting to a process he doesn't even need to submit to. And he gets baptized and comes up and, and, and has this adoration going on. And all of a sudden, a voice from heaven begins to speak. Do you, do you know that when you begin to pray, you begin to see the heavens open 
over your life. That the blessing of God begins to flow down through. Why, why did Jesus pray? He knew this. He knew that communion with his father was the place of restoration and power. Communion with the father is the place of restoration and power. Pr- prayer, the place of prayer, causes us to refocus upon our father's purposes. You know? I mean, they said Jesus teaches how to pray. Our Father who's holy, your kingdom come. Prayer is the place of giving the pain of rejection and abuse over to the Father. You know, I, I, I've lived this life long enough now that I know that there are probably at least two people in this room who've got their feelings hurt in church. <laughs> Am I talking to the right people? Listen to me. Don't walk around with hurt feelings. Go process them with God. Go give that stuff to him. I mean, Jesus as a man faced abuse and rebuke and rejection. And I mean, he was actually not treated well by a whole crowd of people. They stirred up people to hate him and despise him. He, he lived with that. Well, how did he live with that and then come out and say, bring me the sick? tell you he had to go to the place of prayer and unburden that stuff and allow the father's power to come in and and replenish his life if we would take our hurts and pains and set them at the feet of the cross and leave them there we would stay a conduit for the power of God working in our lives and through our lives Jesus understood that he this is what he said he said bless those that curse you I I actually wish he wouldn't have said it. (laughs) Pray for those that abuse you and use you and say all manner of evil against you. I I wish he would have said, get even with them. (laughs) That's not what he said. And actually, I think he lived that way. He lived that way. So, and, and prayer was the place of the surrendered will in Gethsemane. Jesus bowed himself down and said, not my will, but your will done. Jesus knew that the place of surrender was the place of authority and power. And, and that's the same for us. When God calls us to do something and we fight with that thing, we have to come to the place that we're going to say, it's not my will, God, but it's your will that I want done. And when we do that, it becomes the place of power and authority in our lives. See, See, dynamic things will happen in places where Jesus had prayed. See, can, can we agree this? If Jesus knew that he needed prayer, maybe we need to pray. One person said amen on it. That, you, you understand what I'm saying? If, if Jesus needed to pray, the sinless son of God needed to pray, maybe we need to have a heart that says, I want to be like him and become a person of prayer. See, the acknowledgement of our need of God will motivate us to pray. Jesus taught us how to pray. This is my second point. Not just the method, but the heart of it. Matthew 9, he said, 39, he said, pray earnestly, pray with passion. Pray with longing. 
for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers, willing workers into the harvest. And when you begin to pray that prayer, actually throw your name in the middle of it. That here I am. I'm a willing worker. I'm a willing laborer. Help, Help me walk in to that thing. Jesus taught us to pray with tenacity and with passion, (laughs) persistence. Luke 18, we read the parable of the unjust judge and the persistent widow. She kept asking him, go away, go away, go away. And finally, she wore him down. And the judge said, give that woman what she wants. And then Jesus said, how much more will your heavenly father engage in the persistent thing you know get your eyes on him get your hands out and tap him come on keep being persistent don't give up go after that thing the widow's knocking and pleading she would not be denied and she wouldn't take no for an answer I've talked to pastors and leaders around the world, and we all have found this out, that there are people sitting in our churches that they're right at the beginning of a breakthrough, and they quit. Now, I want to prophesy with my eyes open. If you're at that spot, get up. Get up and start knocking all over again. Don't take no for an answer. You be tenacious and persistent and don't give God rest until he comes and does something. Don't quit on your backslidden children. Don't quit on your relatives who don't want to serve God. Don't give up in those places. Be tenacious about it. Don't quit on your neighbors. Don't quit on your home. Don't quit on your children. Don't quit on your family. Absolutely get tenacious about it. You know, one of my kids was struggling one day and I'd sneak in his room at night when he was praying. He was going through this season. When he, I'd sneak in his room at night when he's sound asleep and I'd just go sit in there and what I'd do, man, I'd just sit there and pray in tongues. Okay. And then I'd start saying, devil, move, 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 move. Come on. Listen to me. Don't you give up. Get persistent. You have the power of the resurrected king living inside of you. He is not a quitter and he won't give up and you shouldn't give up. Amen. Pray with humility. That's what Jesus taught us. Tax collector and the Pharisee went into the temple to pray. And the Pharisee got out his list. I am so good. I pay my tithes. I do all the right stuff. Do you know that self-righteousness is wickedness? Here this guy is. And thank God that I'm not like the the tax collector over there. Thank thank God I've lived such a separate holy life that I'm entitled to all of these things. You know, he's lucky I'm on his team. Can I tell you what that smells like spiritually? Arrogance and pride. And that's the place where you're going to get resisted by God. And the tax collector says, oh God, be merciful to me. I'm a mess. Jesus said the messy guy, 
He went home justified. He found something. See, we all have to get to that place. You know, we, we need as a church in America, we need to get honest and we need to admit this, that we're all a mess and that we all need God. And when a stranger comes walking in amongst us, you need to wrap your arms and love them up because you're just one mess welcoming another mess into the house of God. None of us have it all together. We all need God. And Jesus was saying this, you've got to pray with humility. You've got to come to the place where you're surrendered and when you're broken, you don't bring your list to God about how good of a person that you are. And then Jesus, they said, teach us how to pray. And just, I, I mean, I could preach for weeks on this subject right here, but it's our Father. It's not His Father, it's our Father. It's the invitation to participate in the relationship that He has with the Father. Everywhere else you read, I see my Father, my Father doing this, my Father doing that. But when it comes to the place of prayers, come on, you are welcome in this circle where we belong and you can participate in the relationship I have with Him. Come on, it's our Father, holy is your name. It's a place of worship. It's a place of adoration. Your kingdom come. Listen, our prayer life should be focused on God's purposes, not on our provision. Did you hear what I said? Our prayer life should focus first on him and his goodness and his purposes. See, when he comes first, all of our stuff gets taken care of. When we bring our list of all the stuff that we want and we don't care about his purposes, we are disconnected from the true fellowship and the power that will come if we will become a praying people. It's it's his purposes. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. That's a dangerous prayer. Your will be done. Not what I want, but what you want. That'll turn your world inside out, upside down, but you'll end up standing right side up. That's good, by the way. When you surrender your will to God in the place of prayer, when the enemy comes at you with adversity, it doesn't matter because I gave up and now this life that's coming through me ain't even mine. It belongs to him. It's his life living through me and get out of the way, enemy, because I'm going to do you some damage. You know, we got this passive attitude in America. Listen, American church, you were not made for passivity. You were made for power. You were made for purpose. And you were made for the plans of God to get accomplished in your generation. Come on, let's get into the place where we have a surrendered will to his will. That's what Jesus taught us how to pray. That's a dangerous prayer. But it's the best prayer you'll ever pray. I can remember when we came and there was adversity all over the place and demons yelling and screaming at us and threatens made to our life and all this other stuff. I just kept saying to God, I, this ain't my place, man. I want to go home. I, I want to, I, this is not where I belong. I, I didn't buy this. I didn't sign up for this plan. I can remember one night in the middle of the night, I woke up and the Holy Spirit said to me, you can do what you want to do and I'm going to bless it. I got down on the bed beside the bed. I just began to cry out. Oh, God, save me from wanting what I want. You've got to get to that place in life. If you will allow God to save you from what you want and enter into what he wants, your life will become an absolute powerful force that begins to affect and, achieve and, and infect the world with the power and the presence of God. Come on. You've got to surrender that thing. Jesus, teach us how to pray. That's what he did. He taught us. How to pray. You talk about his plans and his purpose and what he wants. Then you can get to your provision. And by the way, when you're working on your provision, you got to forgive everybody. 
We could preach on forgiveness every week in every church all over the world and people will come to the altar. Because it's a real deal. You got to practice forgiveness. You got to make up your mind you're going to forgive. How do you love your enemies? You forgive them. You got to forgive. You, gotta have, you know what? I can't even do that without God helping me. And I, I could be just kind and say, neither can you. The call to forgiveness. See, and then it's deliver me from the evil one. For yours is the power, the glory of the kingdom forever. So he, it, it's, it's all about God. It's his plans. It's his purposes. That's what prayer needs to develop inside of us. You know, the, our prayer should not be God change this person. I, Lord, I prayed for so long for you to change Jim, Jim Curtis. It hasn't worked not one time. So I'm just praying now that you'll bless him and that your kingdom will invade his life. By the way, he's got one of the best bass voices I've ever heard in church. Outstanding. You know. But listen, you, know, you, you, you can't pray, God, change this person. Change this person. Here's a stupid prayer. Change your spouse. That's a stupid prayer. The right prayer is change me. This is all free stuff now. This ain't my, this ain't my notes. This, this, is, this is what you came for is the free stuff. Listen. Jesus taught us how to pray. Pray with persistence. Pray with tenacity. Pray with humility. Pray with purpose. Pray for God's purposes to take place in our life. See, if we will allow that to happen, you will actually get to the place where you enjoy the place of prayer. See, when it's about me and I and all that stuff, that's kind of a dry life. But when you can actually start impacting the lives of others and watch their hearts open, watch their minds open, watch God begin to invade their lives, it's because somebody started praying for the kingdom to come in somebody's life. So Jesus taught us how to pray. And my third point, how am I doing? I'm doing good. Jesus called the greatest prayer meeting in history. He set up the disciples. He set them up. I, I, I participated in some life-changing meetings. I, I've been in some prayer meetings where the presence of God walked into place and nobody wanted to move. I, I, I've been in those kinds of places. I've had the invasion of the Holy Spirit come in my life and just freeze me. I, I've, I've been in those kinds of places. And listen, I'm not special. You can be in those kinds of places also. You've got to want God. I, I've been in those places. But Jesus, he, he did this thing to his disciples. I'm going away. But somebody else is coming to help you. He, he does, they don't know what that is. They don't know what's going to happen to him. They've been following him. They ran when he got crucified. Somehow his resurrection got their attention back. He did some things. He sowed some seeds. In, in, in Luke 11, verses 9 to 13, Jesus said, <laughs> Luke 11, verse 9, 
said, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it's going to be open. By the way, he wasn't talking about stuff. He said, if a son asks for bread from any other father among you, will he give him a stone or ask for a fish? Will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He, he sowed some seeds into their life. How much more? How much of God do you want? It's available to you. By the way, we can have as much of God as we want. Then in John 14, 15, 16, this was the final discourse. And he's saying this, whatever you ask, ask, seek, beg, crave. Get those brown eyes going. I mean, that, that dog we have, he'll stare at you. And if you don't pay attention, this is what he does. And he does it again until you decide that you're going to do what he wants. Why can that dog have influence with me, a human being? And I don't think I can have influence with God who rules the universe. That that invitation is there. Ask, beg, crave, knock. He said, whatever you ask in my name, I'm going to do it. Then he said this, I'm going to ask. Jesus, Jesus is going to ask the Father to give you the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I want in on that prayer. I, I need the presence of God in my life. He's going to be with you. He's, he's the spirit of truth. When stuff gets messy, he's going to resonate what's right inside of you. You know, we, we need him. You abide in me and ask, and fruit is going to come out of your life. In John 16, I'm going up, but he's coming down. You know, he, he said, you, I mean, if you read John 14, 15, 16, and just start reading, ask, 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 it's all about Your relationship, the disciples' relationship with the comforter, the Holy Spirit that's coming. There's a relationship, there's an intimacy that can be had with the very presence of the living God. It's there. John 20, he sets them up. He's resurrected. They've all got, he's he's got all their attention now. And he breathes on them. John 20, 21, he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Luke 24, 49, he's getting ready to ascend. And he said this. You need to go wait in Jerusalem until you are endued or clothed with power from on high. Now, he didn't get any questions. That's a miracle. He didn't have Peter saying, I'm in charge of this. I'll take care of this. You know, he didn't have James and John saying, if these guys aren't coming, burn them up. We're going. He, he didn't have that stuff going on. It was like this unified call to them. Acts 1, it says he spent 40 days speaking with his disciples about the kingdom of God. And then he said in Acts 1, 7 and 8, this setup, this this prayer thing, Acts 1, 7 and 8. 
He said, it's not for you to know the times or seasons when the Father is going to do some things. But, I love that but. Say but with me. But you shall receive power. Dunamis. The dynamic power of God. Matt talked about it a couple weeks ago. I, I do stay in touch. And he did a great job. There's this power from heaven that's available. He said, you're going to get this power. And the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And you're going to be witnesses to me. You're, you're going to be testimonial people of what I've done. Even to the place where you don't care if you die for it. Because the word witness means martyr. Martyrs. I'm not afraid to die. This stuff about Jesus is real. There's a power inside of me. You can kill me. You can't stop him. It's there. It's powerful. It's going to come upon you. And you're going to start reaching out. You're going to get past your circles of comfort, past Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. In, In 14, Acts 1, there was an absolute miracle. These all, I think, for the first time, Continued in one accord. There was unity amongst this group of people. I think it was for the first time that it actually happened. There was no competition anymore. They, they laid it all down. <laughs> and then he said, you go wait. Can you imagine this? Ten days multitudes 500 people saw his resurrection 120 people left you guys go into this room in Jerusalem 10 days together 10 days together no running water no showers You know, I think after 10 minutes, we'd all be looking around saying, now what are we going to do? 10 days. 10, by the way, in the Bible is the number of testing. Some tests lead to powerful promises. Don't get yourself out of a test. Go through it. There's a promise on the other end of it. 10 days. Wait, wait, wait. I mean, what what are you going to do for 10 days of prayer? I've been in 12 hours of prayer. You know, you spend three sleeping. But actually, it was holy meditation. <laughs> you know. I mean, I, I've been in focus prayer ten days. No, no distractions. Put your cell phones down. No. The internet that was never around a few years ago, that's now the dominating force in our life, get away from that. Put all that stuff down. Ten days. Well, you know, we could probably get together, get along for three. But on the fourth day, that one nerve that you got left, I'm gonna get into it. <laughs> you know, I mean, you, ten days. You got to surrender your will. Yes, you you got to give up on who you are. That you got to realize that there's a there's a power greater than you if you want it. Fifty days, the day of Pentecost. After the resurrection. By the way, today is 
Pentecost Sunday. Most people in our culture don't know what it means, but it was a feast. It was a celebration of first fruits that they brought their wave offering, and this is what came first, and then there's a greater harvest coming down the road, and they had a great celebration that God was blessing the beginning of their harvest, but they came together and had a feast and a festival over it. And see, there was another crowd at Jerusalem, and here these weirdos are. I mean, these people that are saying Jesus rode from the dead, there's a great party going on down below them, and they're in a room. By that time, they got to have one eye open. We're waiting. We're waiting. We're waiting. You know, I'm sure in those 10 days, they had to do some repenting for wanting to kill each other with fire and accusing each other, you know, all of them being self-righteous because Peter denied them when they all ran away and left and Thomas denied them, but so did the rest of them. You know, they'd all been some competitive. They had, they had to lay all that stuff down. They, they knew that they were supposed to ask and seek. And not, but how many times do you ask in 10 days? You know, don't you get tired of it? They had to really put their flesh on the line. Do you know one of the last things that Jesus did publicly? This is one of the last things he did. So he went into the temple and turned it upside down and said, you guys have made this a den of thieves. But my father's house is supposed to be a house of what? Come on, help me. Prayer. Prayer. You got this upside down. You know, I, I want to see the greatest preacher. We don't need great preachers. Listen, we need great prayers. And we all can participate in that. See, people say, I have the ministry of intercession. We all have the ministry of intercession. We are all called. Now, some of them are gifted at another level, but we're all called to intercede. We're all called to stand in the gap. We're all called to call for the kingdom of God to come into the earth. That, that, that's all of our calling. You know. They, they, had to, they had to sort through all of this stuff, get rid of their distractions. But all of a sudden, it says in Acts 2, 1, now, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, by the way, God waited until the city was crowded. They were all in one accord. That's not a Honda. It's one room. And suddenly, I mean, they had to be sitting around. When is this going to happen? Jesus said, it's going to happen. When is this going to happen? Suddenly, suddenly. Suddenly. By the way, we all need a suddenly in our life where there's a wake-up call from the power and the presence of God at work in our lives that suddenly begin to happen. Something pierced heaven. There came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind. I mean, in today's world, people would say, well, was that God or was that not God? It was kind of weird. By the way, God loves to take us out of our comfort zones. We all want a God that we can own and control and tell what to do. But that's just not God. That's the God of your mind. The God we serve actually wants you to own you and have you serve him and let him tell you what to do. So this sound. 
rushing mighty wind and it filled where they were sitting. (laughs) My dream is it would just plop on us right now. How, How much do you want? I don't want to be in a place where I'm uncomfortable. You need to get to that place where you want to be in a place where it's uncomfortable. I, I, I want this religion I can control. You can have that, but I want to tell you it's not biblical Christianity. How much do you want? Filled. Filled. Filled the house and then on them tongues of fire they actually literally saw it and then it didn't fill the house it filled them you want to be filled that's my question do you want to be filled? Or are you, you happy with the status quo? See, now, can I explain something to you? What was going on with these people? This was normal Christianity. Being filled with the Spirit is normal Christianity. Being endued with power, something supernatural from heaven, is normal Christianity. Here's what we've done. We've accepted the abnormal for so long that when the normal shows up, we call it abnormal. This was normal. I mean, you read through the book of Acts. He kept coming and coming, filling rooms. People were shaken. And and this thing that Jesus set up, he set up not just a prayer meeting. He set up a life of prayer because you read through the book of Acts and in every chapter in the book of Acts, there's a mention of prayer. And there's a whole bunch of miracles that went on, a whole bunch of people that got delivered from a whole bunch of demons, and people came to Christ in mass. Why? Because there was something birthed of fire inside of them in the place of prayer that they never got away from. I'm here to tell you, you need some fire from God that you will never get away from. You need something put inside of your life that you can't run from, you can't hide from, it won't quit, it'll improve. You need some fire. People tell me, you're all fired up, Steve. Listen, I had a visitation of God when I was a brand new Christian and fire came into me and it has never left and I'm out here to start fires wherever I go. You need power and you need fire from God. You need to get out of the passive world of, of, of nothing and calling it following God and get into a place where there's some power and you believe God for some extraordinary things and people to get healed and people to get free from demons and people to become more than conquerors. That is our mission. My house shall be called a house of... Come on. Prayer. Send laborers. Pray. Prayer is work. Prayer is the invitation to participate in a supernatural relationship with an extraordinary God that will turn your world inside out and upside down so you stand right side up and live and dwell in the presence of God. Paul said, pray without ceasing. 
I'm still working on that one. Thank you so much. Let's stand together. How, how much of God do you want today on Pentecost Sunday? How much do you want? How much do you want? Are, are you willing just right where you are? If you've got animosity and anxiety inside of your heart and inside of your mind and unforgiveness and people have done you wrong, welcome to the club. Are you willing to give up all the wrongs that have been done to you so you can have more of God? That's my question. I would say surrender it today. Just give it up. There's a God who has power for you. How much do you want? If you would like to be filled with the Holy Spirit today, I mean filled with the Holy Spirit today. Let's just wait. The the, the band's going to sing a song, but you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you should get both hands up in the air and say, God, I want it. I want power. I want to become a person of prayer that Jesus talked about. And it can't happen without the power of the Holy Spirit, this setup. All of this teaching led to this place where there was a setup and the world was changed out of a prayer meeting. May your world get changed today. May you become a person prayer.